welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I come to you live every Thursday at four o'clock, and that is on the Pacific Coast. And if you're listening through the app on the East Coast time, we're with you at 7 p.m. We always offer a replay as well on Friday mornings. If you're driving into work at 6 a.m. Pacific time, turn on KKNW 1150 and you will catch this show. Otherwise, stream that app on the Eastern Coastline at 9 a.m. Fridays to catch the replay of our show. I love visiting with you and I love taking your questions. So if you are on Facebook, Please feel free to send me a question. My, my Coach Debbie Facebook page is open, so I can answer any direct messages coming in. And you might even notice that I have a couple posts about today's show, so you can send stuff there as well. If you'd like to call in, Eric the Engineer will make sure we get connected. And the phone number is 1-888-298-5569. So thank you so much for reserving this time to be with me and to think about the stories that are influencing your life and the stories that you might want to write, the stories that you are witnessing, all kinds of stories. We're all about stories here at Story You Talk Radio. Today, I am once again leaning into the letters and the feedback of people that respond to my newsletters or people that I'm working with one-on-one. -on -one. And today I thought we would talk about who's got the corner market on memorable stories. You have a guess at that? Who's got the corner market on memorable stories? Hmm, should I give you the answer right now or should I make you wait? I think I think we'll just see what you come up with. Who's got the corner market on the memorable stories? And I'll be reading some of the listener requests that have come in. Like I said, I get replies to my emails that I send out and I love to read those on the air. I keep them fairly anonymous. I just read off your first name, but if you don't even want me to do that, we can just say from anonymous writer. I love to hear from you. If you'd like to receive the newsletter I'm speaking about, just go to coachdebbie.com and sign up. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com, and just scroll to the bottom of that first page and sign up for the newsletter. You'll also get some really good deals on really fun things. For example, I sent out a newsletter probably the middle of summer 
and I was advertising that I had a retreat on. And one of the listeners of the listeners, one of the listeners of the show and one of the subscribers of the newsletter noticed that there was a deal for couples. And so we got in touch and he got that deal. And I'm really glad he did. But I don't always announce all that stuff here. Some stuff, but not all stuff. So if you want some easy access codes, just go ahead to coachdebbie.com and get signed up for the newsletter where you can get deals on everything. I'm actually going to be sending one out tomorrow morning. Is tomorrow? No, Saturday morning. Saturday morning, I'm going to be sending one out that is, uh, has a special code. If you would like to receive a full year subscription to my drop-in classes, I do almost 100 drop-in classes a year. Uh, I'm going to offer that with a little code in my newsletter coming out on Saturday morning. And you can get the entire year, like I said, almost 100 classes for $900. So if you do the math there, uh, those classes are coming to you for less than 10 bucks a class if you choose to come to them all. And they're on all the topics we talk about right here. Things like how to answer the call to adventure, what does it mean to get your book self-published? Is it wise to go with a ebook before you do a print book? Other topics might be what is involved in mentoring when you want to write a book. What, what are some of the things you should be ready to do? Uh, there's all kinds of topics. Just, just look over what we talk about here. And that's what we talk about in class, but I'm there live. These aren't recorded classes. So you get to ask your questions and you get to interact with the other people that come. Or if you want, you're more than welcome to just be a wallflower and hang out in the background and take in the information you want, take good notes, do it the way you want to do it. But that offer for unlimited classes is coming out in Saturday's newsletter. So why don't you go ahead to coachdebbie.com, get signed up for the newsletter, and you can receive a full year of drop-in classes. Come to the ones you want, pass on the ones you don't want. That's $900 for the entire year. And I'm offering almost 100 classes. All righty. So let's talk about this topic today. I'm, I'm pretty inspired by this because I think, as you know, I like all, all things childlike and all things book-like. So I'm bringing these two topics together. Who's got the corner market on memorable stories? Do you know? I would say it is the authors that have mastered their books for kids. It's those child literature authors 
those are the ones that really, really have memorable stories. And I'll tell you, anytime I am teaching a class and I want to inspire people to get back to reading and to develop those skills that go with reading, I mean, you might take it for granted how many skills you have just because reading was required when you were young and you were doing a certain percentage of reading. You might be very, very surprised about the conversational skills you've developed, the listening skills you need at work that you've developed, the patience you need that developed because you were a reader. You might be surprised how you've been informed about family values, about values in, in terms of friendships or in terms of having a lover. There's all kinds of things you develop because you are a good reader. It makes you a good listener, makes you a good communicator. It helps you care about the conversations that are going on in your life and your work and even around the dinner table. If you ask me, some of the most memorable stories come right out of your childhood reading. And let's take childhood all the way up to like age 15, 16. You know, let's just stretch into those coming of age years. When I ask people the general, just general question, what is your most memorable book? Do you know that probably eight or nine times out of 10, people go back to their favorite childhood book over and over and over again? How many times have I asked people, what was your favorite book you ever read? Or, and in some cases, I don't even get the whole sentence out and people are saying oh harry potter no question harry potter my brother every time says lord of the rings lord of the rings jrr tolkien lord of the rings there's there's usually a book in your mind if not a series of books or a couple of books that you can go back to and say this this had me hooked and many people don't even talk about the fact that in adulthood, they went back and quietly read it, never, never admitted to anyone that it called them back. But I know plenty of people that when I pry and when I get in there and say, so when was the last time you read it? They say, oh, I read it right before I got married again. Or, oh, I read it when my kid went off to college. Or, oh, I read it again when I was just about to give birth to our first child. And, you know, it, it's because there was a lesson. There was a, a fable, there was a value, there was something in that book that really was meaty for you when you read it, and it called you back. It made you want to read it again. Even if you didn't go back and just read it for yourself, there's plenty of parents that are so, so happy when their child comes of a certain age 
and they can either read a particular book they loved alongside their child or they can read it to their child and or even their grandchildren i mean think about it do you have these experiences i'll i'll tell you i do one of my favorite really really young kiddo books that i love is the little engine that could and I love reading it to little kids. I get very animated when I read it to little kids. Their eyes get so big and wide. And in that moment, I know they're not thinking of anything else. Now, I want to tell you, being that focused is, in this day and age, it's really becoming a lost art really, 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 really getting into the present moment. When you can get animated and read a book to a child and bring to life all that you loved about the book, get into your vocal variety, maybe even use your hands to, to show the animation of the characters or the animals from the stories, when you're doing that, you have a child's full attention, but you are also 100% giving the child your full attention. If you ask me, this is why children's books are so memorable. We're so present. We're so present when we're reading them. The themes of the book hold our attention. It's just where we want to be in that story. So now that you're an adult, now that if you're like James, who wrote into me, and we'll, we'll get to his letter in a little bit, now that you might be finding that you have to do some writing for work, what is going to help you make your content memorable? We're going to talk about that today. And I would love to receive your, your input, your questions about this. So just go ahead to Facebook, go on, go on over to Coach Debbie. That's my Facebook page there. And just type in a question to me. You can go to my personal page on Facebook, which is Debbie Handrich. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. And Handrich, it's just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. I want to remind you that children are believers. And this is something you want in your writing. You want to take the person who is reading what you have written from wherever they are to being a believer. And you don't have to be a great salesperson to do this, but I really, really want to stress that the more present you can be, just like the great authors that write for kids, the more you are going to have success getting into the mind of your reader and making your story memorable. A lot of people think they need a lot of shock value. And while that's fun, it's not necessary. 
there are plenty of people that think they need loads of experience writing. And while that can really heighten your credentials and help you gain even a larger audience, it's not necessary. If, on the other hand, you write something that is memorable, you're probably digging into values or you're going to a place with your reader that's just easy to be. And think about the things that kids like. You know, they like magic and they like, they like animals, but kids are not really afraid of bears and tigers, you know, the way adults are. They don't know the truth yet about the big teeth and the ability to run 10 times as fast as a child, you know, a six-year-old kid doesn't know how fast a bear can really move, let alone a cheetah. So they make friends with all of life. And writers, writers manipulate that in the best way possible. And they help the little young reader make friends not only with life, but the values of life, the lessons of life. And if you ask me, that is why the writers of children literature really are holding the corner market on memorable stories. So let me help you with this. Go ahead and write in. If you want to call in, once again, that number is one 888 298-5569. I usually take two breaks during this show. And here's the first one, but we're going to come right back. So stay tuned. Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Whether you're looking to stay in the workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Mondays at 7 o'clock a.m. here on KKNW to get re-energized, recharged, and re ignited. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. And we are talking about who's got the corner market on memorable stories. And like I was saying in the first part of the show, I really think it is the authors for children literature. They are the ones that get into the imagination and creativity for kids. And as kids grow, what I found as a college instructor, as kids grow, they come to the college classroom and they're taking their courses, they're out there learning trade and they're getting some of their first jobs. And if I ask them, what are the stories that are most memorable to you? I have found they go back to their childhood and they light up. 
they light up talking about those stories that were memorable to them. I'd really love to hear from you of what your stories were. There was a series of books uh, by C.S. Lewis. And I want to say that I was in the fifth grade when these books were, yeah, I want to say fifth grade. I had a teacher who read out loud to us. It was either right before lunch or right after lunch. And he was a very animated individual because I am visually impaired. I sat right in the very, very center front. So I was right in front of him while he would read these books to me, to us, <laughs> to me. It felt like it was just to me, but it was to the whole class. And I remember this whole series by C.S. Lewis. And the first one in the series was called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And you probably read it too. If you didn't, you must. And there were others that followed uh, the captain's chair, the silver something. I, I don't remember those titles as well, but I can tell you that The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe I was completely captivated. I was also in the fifth grade. And while that was pretty early to even think about skipping class, uh, I did have a friend that was pulling this off quite successfully. And she would just go out on the playground um, and, and tumble on the bars and you know, mess off. And she had a lot of fun doing it and she would try to entice me to do it. So while I had a record much later in my school career for truancy in the fifth grade, my attention was deeply in the classroom. And I really, sometimes I wonder if it was because those were the years when we were read to. And they were also the years when we were learning to read out loud. I mean, did you have that experience where either from your seat or maybe the teacher would call you up to the front of the room and you might have to read a little passage to the class and you'd want to read it so quickly to just show that you were a good reader or you, you'd want to get out of it because there were a couple of big words in the upcoming paragraph and you didn't want to look ridiculous in front of everyone. I mean, it, it, it was really this time of cultivating skill and to save yourself from embarrassment, you kind of needed to practice up. But I can tell you, one of my fondest memories was really just sitting there in the front row and having, I can't, I can't remember his name. I do remember his first name was Dwight. And when we all found that out, we, we teased it because we had never, in, in our age group, that wasn't a common name. But for whatever reason, I can't remember his last name, which is what we called him by, of course. But what I remember is what he looked like. I remember his vocal variety. I remember his animation when he read. I remember that he wore a thick gold ring every day and a watch with a 
a thick black leather uh, wristband. You know, I remember these things from watching him read to us. And like I said, one of the most memorable books was the first of the series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I want to say part of it was because it started with, and this is one of my very first tips for you if you're writing, it started with the believable. I mean, the, these are very believable characters. I think it was Lucy, who is the main character. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think her name was Lucy. And she's a very believable young girl. She finds herself going into the closet one day and discovering there's a magic door. There's a door, not just into the closet, but out, out of the closet. There's a back door. And that leads you into the whole magical story. I want to encourage you to read it. It starts with something very believable and it takes you into something very magical. It's not just kids that love this, right? We like it too. And where do you find that? Well, we find it in the romance where the prince comes riding in on his white horse. And a lot of writers, when they're trying to catch your attention and make it romantic and magical for you, they'll throw in the metaphor of the white horse and the prince. Why? Because we remember it from those young stories, or we might even remember it from coming of age years when some were reading those romance stories, but even Cinderella that boys and girls know about. There is the magic slipper. There's the, you'll turn into a pumpkin if you're not home on time. There's the, the beautiful prince. There's the white horse. There's the, um, the carriage rides. There's all these things that aren't part of our daily life. But when we refer to those metaphors in our writing, Again, we're starting with something very believable and we're bringing in those metaphors. We have hooked our readers. If we in any way love romance, if we love the unfolding of a great story between lovers, or if we love the unfolding of getting to know someone and really bonding and trust, those metaphors help our stories be even more real, even though magical white horses aren't real, never were real, but we believed in them as young people. And so our mind is captivated to believe in it again. Uh, last year, I watched the I watched the BBC series Merlin. Did you, you might've even read all of those books, those sorcery books when you were a young person, uh, The Round Table, King Arthur, all those books. 
I read some of them, but watching Merlin captured all the magic and the mystique of the stories of King Arthur and Sir Lancelot and talk about white horses and heroes and um, magic. Oh, the mystery of magic. I was completely captivated. And I even found myself falling a little behind in work, if not a lot of behind in work, because I couldn't separate myself from this BBB. B B B B B B B B C series, <laughs> B B C series out of the UK. Honestly, I think it's at least a decade old, if not longer ago than that. It wasn't. It wasn't running a live stream um, when I was watching it, but I was hooked. I was completely hooked. And so how does this work? It's the brain that gets recharged again. It gets excited again by those themes that we loved as children. The magic we loved as children, the suspense we loved, the, the hero that comes riding in. Now, of course, there's other elements to these stories. Sometimes there's loss. Um, there were plenty of people that not only lost some fortune, themes that we can relate to in everyday life, but they, they lost their heads. They, they lost their heads in Merlin. And while that might not be going on in your hometown, I hope, um, what is going on in your real life are those moments of even just being at work or in family situations where you might be the holder of some story or some secret or something, and it might play out just in your scared mind that you could lose your head over this. And, and you know in reality that it's, it's going to be some sort of drama. It's not going to go that far. But your mind, your mind can take you far. So when you're sitting in front of a BBC series or you're reading a book that goes back to childhood and these themes are emerging, so are those feelings of how real it is to be scared by the stories we live by. I mean, like I said, I really hope you're not living in a town where people are losing their heads. I really hope so. At the same time, most of us have a fairy tale or two where we remember that going on. And when we see it again in front of us, we're brought to the real life experiences we're going through at work or in family or wherever, where we're reminded why. Why was it that people lost their head? Was it because they wouldn't tell the truth? Was it because they wouldn't lead the group to the, the Fort Knox of the story? 
Was it because they did something so terribly wrong that just losing a finger wouldn't be enough? Gotta take your whole head? I mean, in those stories, what was really happening is we were learning what it feels like to go through the lesson of ethics and to abide and to obey and to really have a chance to save your own head and keep it on your good shoulders, right? You know those stories that you related to when you were young and they are memorable because of these big, big tales where someone lost their fingers, someone lost their head, someone lost their horse in the losing we remember. And in the losing, we also adopt our own ethics. We, as we grow, we decide what works for us, what's, what's going to help us keep that horse nearby, what is going to allow us to unfold in our story and not necessarily be captured and threatened and possibly lose our good head right above our shoulders, right? Let me share with you something that James wrote in and said last week. He says, I need to write for work. It just got added to my job. And I think this means I need to be reading more of, quote, the good stuff. I tend to be a jokester. So I would love to include some humor in the writing. I love to travel too. By the way, this is a software company I work for. I really love catching your podcast. And as it stands right now, I am desperate for some insight. James, I was really glad to hear from you. It's been a long time. I wanna say thanks for writing in. I think this is pertinent to so many of us. Many of us are going back to work after either being at home with the kids after a really tough 2020, maybe even being laid off. And if you are finding yourself as one of the few people back, you might be finding yourself in job uh, categories that are new to you, like writing. I, I get this sense from your letter, James, that even though I know you and I know you enjoy writing fiction, writing for work is a whole different story. So you asked for my insight. I, I want to tell you that part of the reason I'm offering this topic today is because of your letter. You know that in today's day, you like to joke and you like travel. And you know what stories, because you're a fiction writer, and I know that about you, have shaped you to write your own fiction. So I want to encourage you and anyone listening, keep what works well for you. If you love to joke and it doesn't lead to you being hung by your toenails all the time, joke in the things you need to write for work. Don't overplay it. 
think about where a good joke could work. If you love to travel, as you said, what sort of, excuse me, what sort of traveling metaphors can you bring to your writing? Is there any traveling that you have done recently that you can help use as information for this software company? I would think right away, because you're writing for a software company, they're what I would think of as cutting edge. They're always dealing with something that's new. So how might you blend the newness a traveler feels when they go somewhere and the comedy you like to ensue in a story with the content a software company would need? Just bring those things together that work for you and you're going to create memorable content as well as just simply worthwhile content for the people at your company. I hope that helps you, James. It definitely helped me hearing from you, finding out what was on your mind and helping me shape today's stories. So thank you. Let's take our second break now. When we come back, we're going to talk more about who's got the corner market on memorable stories. We're going to dive into some of those favorites from childhood. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we have been sharing this idea that it is those children literature writers, those great authors that, at least I believe, have the corner market on creating memorable stories. They are the ones that are diving deep into friendship. They're They're looking at what it means to form bonds with animals, with their siblings, with their parents. They're they're even starting to make the, the jump into what does it mean to tell the truth or to have an identity that is separate from their brothers and sisters or their friends. Children's stories are always around family values, like the the traditions, the the wild characters of the family. I I would even say that children's stories are are the ones that are always looking at like the new normals or the the outsiders and the outcasts. In fact, I think there was, I think it was called the outsiders. Uh, I can't think of her name. It was a woman that wrote it. 
really good coming of age book about, well, you remember what it was about. It wasn't for young, young, young kids, but so relatable for the coming of age kid that only has a few people to relate to, but in those quiet moments relates really to no one. And a lot of darkness that many of us felt when we were young. Another thing I love about children's stories and what makes them memorable is that they are the early tales of adventure. And sometimes that leads to surprise or how to navigate your way or how to even discern common sense. All of these things are necessary in any stories we're telling, not all of them all at once in, in one particular story, but think about the fact that stories have values, stories have messages, stories are memorable. And if you want to hold a kid's attention, you can't wait until page 14 to unravel something mystical. You got to get right in there. You got to capture a kid's attention in about the, honestly, in about the 15th word into the book. If you don't, they're often running into video games or something else. I pulled up here just for fun. I pulled up a list of 25 memorable stories from I don't think I said memorable. What did I say here? I think I just said classics, 25 classic stories from childhood. And it was really fun to just go through the list and see which ones were most memorable to me. Now, one that I had kind of forgotten about, but I don't know how I forgot about it because it is probably on everyone's list if you lived through, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, before, 90s, hopefully, it's probably on everyone's list. And that is Tom Sawyer. So let's just think about good old Tom for a minute. And again, this is a shout out to James, because I think this might help you with writing software, knowing that you like to joke around, knowing that you like to travel. Tom Sawyer, all his, his stories were adventures kind of, kind of out there in the, the, mm, the, the walks of nature, we'll say. And he grew up near the, the Mississippi River in the story. And we learn early on that Tom, he, he's just a free will, running around, doing what he wants, having his adventures. He makes friends with Huck, who we learn even more about later on through Samuel Clemens' writings of Huck Finn. And um, still, in the story of Tom Sawyer, what I remembered most was how he convinced someone else that the chore he was supposed to do, which was basically fence painting, um, 
I think then they called it whitewashing. They, Tom Sawyer decides he's going to sell to this other kid that this could be a lot of fun. In fact, you want to be doing this. And what it did was it allowed Tom Sawyer to just be in his own trickster fun character and get out of painting that fence, having it being done, having it able to prove that it got done, but he wasn't the one who did it. He was basically being the salesman in it, if you ask me. He was always off doing the next funny, cute thing that boys do. But what is surprising, I think, in the story is that he meets a gal named Becky and he falls for Becky. And so we start to see the funny free will guy try to bring that funniness and free will to Becky. But of course, he's experiencing lots of changes. And Becky isn't always enamored with him as much as he is with her. But what we find, and I really want to encourage you to go back and read it if you haven't read Tom Sawyer in a long time, just for the fun of it, is we find that all of his laughs and his tricks and his freedoms really help him um, see some lessons that he has to learn and grow into being a little more heroic to keep Becky's attention. So when you think back to a story like Tom Sawyer, you might want to think about how it was that that author, Samuel Clemens, made it so memorable because of some some values and some themes. One right away is how did he treat people? Another is how he was a natural salesperson. Another is that he wasn't someone who had a strong work ethic, but he was someone who delivered, if you ask me. Uh, another thing is how he maneuvered and manipulated his way in friendships. And there's other things too, but take on the mind of the author who's writing a child's book. They have to go for themes that are going to hold the kid's attention, but are also going to help them grow. A child naturally wants to be safe in the world. And while they might not have those words, you know, give me a story so I can be safe in the world, they rely on adult writers to make that happen. So let's just switch gears for a minute. I didn't read the, oh, I know this is, I know this is terrible. I'm going to admit this. I did not read the Harry Potter series. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I need to do it. I will do it. I promise I'll do it. But I know this much. I know that it is about magic and wizardry. And I do know that when you have those stories, 
you are constantly coming into the realm of who is the enemy, what is acceptable, and how far are you going to believe and follow and trust? Well, those are themes we need to bring to kids. And if you ask me, they are memorable because as adults, we're constantly trying to grow into the fullness of those themes. We're not getting out of it. James just wrote in and said that it has been added to his job that he do some of the writing. And for a software company, people are constantly dealing with trends. So again, what are some themes that you're going to see in that writing? Well, you're, you're gonna deal with things like what's new, what's acceptable, how much testing do we need to do? At what point have we done enough testing? Who should we trust? How many people need to go through it? I mean, you can, you can brainstorm all those questions, but you can also, and I really mean this, you can also go back to a story like a Harry Potter story or a Tom Sawyer story, and you can see that they too were constantly using their brain for the next trick, for the next little wizardry thing they were up against, how to deal with their enemies, how to make better friends, how to get out of painting a fence, all of those things. That's, that's what children are up to. And because those ideas are planted in us when we're young, and, and it is by those wonderful authors for children's literature, we believe as we grow, we believe that we need to keep growing into those stories that are real for us, like the stories of how to be truthful, like the stories of how to be a good friend, the stories of how to be a good salesperson, the stories of how to be well-traveled along the Mississippi River or anywhere else. We believe in that. We believe in our growth. It was brought to us when we were young. And that's part of what makes it memorable. But by using those, those tactics that the authors of children's literature were using, we as writers can influence others, but we as readers of any kind of writing, we feel that impact anytime we're reminded of stories from our childhood. Let me just read some titles off to you and just, just notice how it feels to hear these titles. One was The Velveteen Rabbit. Did you read that? If you did, I bet you it made an impression on you. You know, one that wasn't on this list was the young, young story of Bambi. Maybe, maybe this list is for an older crowd, but I was surprised to not see that one. Uh, did any of you read Shel Silverstein? He came along a little bit later, um, 
actually, I want to, I want to say his books became real popular in the seventies um, and the eighties. But for for me, his real fame was a little bit later than the timeline. Um, so the one that I think he was best known for was called The Giving Tree. And it was basically a picture book about a tree that loves and gives to a little boy that's growing up. And I'm not going to say anything more because you've got to read it if you missed it as a child. I did. I went back and read it. I loved it. Another book that was so popular, especially for my age group, was by a woman author, and it was called The Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, and the author was Judy Bloom. I read that book right when it came out. It was set in New York City, and it basically follows a, a boy's life and a character named, believe it or not, Fudge. And you could probably guess some of the trouble that these two got into. But what I remember about the, the story was how they come together when the going gets tough and they need each other. That is a wonderful theme for any age group. What about the little prince? I didn't read that as a child. I read that when I was about 25. I read it in college. Wonderful book that will help you be a better bookkeeper, that will help you be a better friend, all kinds of things. Really, if you want to be memorable in your writing, you need to go back to those authors of children's literature. They've got it going on. They do. I hope this has served you, my friends. I hope you might go back to some of those stories you loved when you were a child. Notice those values that are true for you and how they've stuck with you. We'll be back for more next Thursday. Until then, namaste, my friends. <music>